The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we work every single solitary week to bring you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today, we're going to discuss a topic that... Uh, you'll hear you'll hear the jargon a lot if you hang around a real estate investment association or, or a, a offer making workshop or something like that, and yet it's something that I don't know, like not not a lot of people really understand how to do it well. It is the multiple offer strategy, and joining me to kind of peel back the layers of this uh, offer-making strategy is Chad Harris, a real-life real estate investor from right here in Ohio, who has built quite a portfolio for himself by making multiple offers to lots and lots of sellers. He's joining us today by phone. Chad, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. All right. Thank you, Vina. Glad to be here. <laughs> I, Thanks I, for the invite. I am glad to be here myself. I uh, went to look at a rental of mine that went vacant that's not too far from the station. And you know how, like, Bill Cook and all those guys say, make sure you talk to the neighbors? The neighbor in this case yeah. was about a 10-year-old girl. She she wow. <laughs> she came up she came up while I was standing on the lawn and she said do you do you own this house and I said yeah and she said this is a really nice house and she started telling me about the inside of the house <laughs> she started telling me about the two bathrooms and the 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 nice kitchen and the nice backyard and I opened the door and she kept standing and I said well do you want to come in <laughs> so she she showed me around the house she's a she's a neighbor whose friend used to live there. And as we were walking out, I said, well, do you know anybody else who has a house around here that's empty or they're moving out? And she pointed to the house across the street and said, that guy's been moving out for three weeks. I know he's moving out because he had a U-Haul and he's got that pickup truck and he comes and gets stuff. So I got a lead to follow what up on. What a resource. I know. It's usually the, it's usually the oldest person in the neighborhood who knows that. Yeah. Not, the, yeah. not the youngest person in the neighborhood. But yeah, so then then I like rushed over here and was uh, was a minute or two late, so I apologize for that. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, that's my story. Let's talk about your story. Uh, <laughs> listeners, listeners might remember that you and I did an interview way back in 2020, which they can actually uh, it's going diff- different topics, so they can actually look it up and listen to it on our website at realliferealestate.com. But remind us, remind us about your journey to where you are 
today in real estate? Yeah, I, I uh, started investing in real estate in late 2012 and kind of out of necessity. I was in ministry serving overseas, and then our youngest son, when he was born in December 2012, had uh, health issues, and we couldn't return to Kenya. And so I had to, you know, make money quickly and provide for my family, and I decided I was going to do that through real estate. And so I started um, what I knew was raising money for ministry, and so I used those skills and raised money from private lenders and started buying real estate that way. So that's how I got my start, and then I learned over time seller financing techniques and um, grew my portfolio really through those two techniques, either all cash offers with private money or seller financing offers, and never had a bank loan until... uh, Got my first bank loan after we had fifty-five or so properties. Mm-hmm. So, so they didn't pay you enough as a missionary to just go come here and just pay cash for houses. Like you, you didn't have millions of dollars you know, in the bank. <laughs> I know that's surprising. Yeah, <laughs> our salary at the time was about twenty-one hundred dollars a month, and uh, I was the sole income. The sole earner for the family. So, no, we did not have a lot of cash sitting around to go buy properties. So. Yeah, and, and like a lot of people um, who find themselves, for whatever reason, in the position of wanting to be in real estate but not having a bunch of down payment money and a bunch of credit and connections with banks and all that sort of stuff, you found a way, and uh, actually, you are speaking tomorrow night at the Cincinnati RIA and Cori online meeting on the topic of seller financing and how to negotiate it. I, I, I say this because I know as soon as I give out the phone number and the email, a bunch of people are going to call and they were going to want to talk about seller financing, and that's really it's related to our topic today, but it's not our topic today. And I want to invite all those folks who are going, "Oh, how does he get seller financing?" To come to the meeting tomorrow night, which it's online, so no reason you can't be there. And you can get a uh, link for that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A dot com. So part of this process, so the financing techniques for you have been private money and seller financing. The target property has been, what, what, what is it you're buying I'm buying single families, small multifamilies. Single families and small multifamilies. And yep. C neighborhoods, B neighborhoods. Okay. So so flowing properties. Quote affordable housing. The yeah, exact the exact, the exact yeah. thing that, that every city in the United States is having a panic attack about how to provide, that's what you're doing. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so so um a, a, a chunk of like a, like a, like a kind of a getting down into the how to's piece of that has been that you make multiple offers to each seller and, and not sequentially, like at the same time, let's start by just for, for people who might have not heard that term before, they might, might not have heard the term multiple offers or multiple offer strategy. Can, can you just define it for us? Yeah, the, with the multiple offer strategy, I'm basically assuming that I don't know the, the whole story with that seller. And even though they've told me their motivation and they've told me their wants and their needs, 
that really, in the end, I, I can't decide for them what the best way for them to sell their property is. And so I will give them multiple options. I'll give them um, one option where I'll purchase their house all cash, and it's a low purchase price. And in that case, I'm going to go to a private lender and get that money. And then I'll give the seller another option where I'll pay them more money, right, a higher purchase price, but I'm going to pay them that money over time. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to be financing the deal for me. I don't need to go raise the money. Mm -hmm. And I'll present both offers to them really out of the desire to serve them, right? Mm -hmm. Whichever offer they take works well for me, and they can choose which, which one, whether it's two or three offers that I give them, which one is best for them and their situation. Okay. So we're going to spend the rest of the show getting into the details of that. Uh, how are they presented? At what point is it even mentioned that there's going to be multiple offers? How do you determine which each offer is? What, what, what do these things look like? And we're also going to take listener questions. Listeners, if you want to ask a question about the multiple offer strategy, you can either give us a call at 877 Seven seven two nine six five eight again eight seven 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 two nine six five eight or you can also send an email just send it to askvina at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host Vina Jones Cox. My guest today is a real life investor Chad Harris. We're talking about the multiple offer strategy, the best way to do it. When to introduce it, how to use it, what does it look like, how does it help, does it help, all of those sorts of things. We're also taking listener questions at 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. Or if you're more comfortable with the idea of email, just send your questions to askvina at gmail.com a-s-k-v-e-n-a at gmail.com all right so chad it sounds like most of the time you are making two offers there's going to be a higher one and a lower one the higher one is going to yeah. have terms of some sort that the seller would need to carry back and we can get into that a little bit more later on and then the lower one is a is cash to the seller let's call it cash to the seller it's not that you're going to the bank and writing them a check it's it's private lender money that's going to pay for that <laughs> so <clears throat> why is so why is the cash offer the lower offer well, the cash offer, um, for, for me, the cash offer has to be a low offer because, um, usually I'm going to refinance that property after I do some work on it and put a tenant into it. I'll refinance it with another lender. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to get all of my money back out of it, mm -hmm. right? I don't want to have any money in the deal. So that cash offer has to be low so that I can, put some money into the repairs and then at the refinance, get all of that money back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, so, so you've got to replace all the private lenders money. To, let's, let's start there. The private lender is not going to want any, want to leave any money in it either. The, well, yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. 
the the reality of a refinance is it, even if you're if you're just trying to like get your money back out and not take any cash out, the bank's not going to do more than 70 to 80 cents on the dollar of the appraisal. So if you if you get it all fixed up and it appraises for $100,000, if you can get 70,000 back out if you don't wait a year and $80,000 back out if you do wait a year. So that's got to cover not just what you're paying back to private lender, but also any, you know, holding costs you've had, repair costs you've had, the financing costs of going to the bank and getting that loan, which is not free. So typically the cash part of the offer, you're going to calculate how. Like what, do you have a formula that you use? Yeah, for the cash offer, I'm going to use a pretty standard uh, formula, usually referred to as, you know, 70% rule. Um, it's always referred to for flippers. A lot of people are using 75% rule now. Um, so the after repair value, what that house is going to be worth once all the repairs are made, I'm going to multiply that times 70%. And then subtract out the repairs. Mm-hmm. So, if it's if that house is going to be worth a hundred thousand after the repairs are made, um, then I'm going to take seventy thousand and subtract out the repairs. If it's a fifteen thousand dollar rehab, then that means my offer is going to be about seventy thousand minus fifteen or fifty five thousand mm-hmm. for the house. Mm-hmm. And so that's part partly based on what you have to do next, which is fix it and then refinance it. And partly, I assume, based on just wanting to make sure that your private lender's loan is well protected. That if some if something happened to you, you had a you got hit by a bus, and the, the private yeah, lender definitely. wasn't getting definitely. payments anymore because you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> that that the we private don't want that for multiple reasons, but, yeah. <laughs> but that the, the private yeah, the I private lender could my private lenders. Yes, yeah, definitely. So... I'm you know I'm in that with the private lenders, so I want to make sure they have security and and have a lot of equity in that deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they want that too, by the way, listeners. Chad, Chad's not just being nice <laughs> to his private lenders. Private, Correct. Yeah. Private, private lenders, you know, one of the reasons they make a decision to make a loan on a property is because they look at it and they go, well, worst thing happens, Chad gets hit by a bus, I have to take it to foreclosure sale, uh, I'll be okay. Even after the costs of taking it to the foreclosure sale, I'll get my money, I'll get the return of my investment, even if I don't get the return I expected on my investment. So, all right, so that makes sense. Cash offer is the cheaper offer. Now, the other offer is a is a terms offer where you are asking the seller to in some way take payments from you. So so give us some examples of of like strategies where you would say to the seller, let let's do it this way. Let me make let me make these payments. Do you like owner owner sell, owner carry back loans, subject twos, like what are your favorite things to do with the second offer? Yeah, I, I like land contracts and subject to, and uh, pretty much it depends on what their underlying financing is, how much equity they have in that house. Mm-hmm. So I'll offer to pay them a higher price and just pay them over time, mm-hmm. right? If they don't need the money right away, then I'll point out the benefits to them if they allow me to pay them over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's the language I use. So it's real simple. 
And in a lot of situations for them, it does benefit them, right? So they they get to defer their taxes and they get to make money monthly, which if it's a rental, they've been enjoying that part of owning the rental previously. And so um, I'm just pointing out the benefits to them if they allow me to pay them over a period of time. Mm-hmm. So Now I'm going to ask you a really tough question that I know you've been asked a million times in the past about this. How much more okay. can you offer in that second offer? Like, like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a price on the top line of both of these offers. And we've already talked about what that price is going to be for the cash offer, but how much more is it going to be on the terms offer? You know, it can be a lot more. Um, it's just how creative you get with the terms, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's, if I'm giving interest and, um, it's a typical amortized payment, let's say, on a land contract, then I'll probably give 80 to 90% of the value, the ARV. But if it's a 0% offer, you know, which you know, I'm not paying interest on that money. I'm just paying them principal over a period of time. Then I can, I can offer more than the house is worth. I can offer 120000 for that $100,000 house. And know that over time, since I'm not paying interest, I'm actually saving money. Mm-hmm. And then they're really happy because they get that high purchase price uh, number on the contract. So, yeah, and that's the that's the thing that boy, it would be it would be so nice if you'd have just said, well, no, the number is eighty three point seven percent of the after repaired value, less repair cost. But there there is so no such number. It it, it makes such a big difference right. if. If they were to accept a, um, let's go, let's go back to that imaginary hundred thousand dollar house that barely exists anywhere in the country anymore, that needs <laughs> that needs fifteen thousand dollars in work. If if they accepted an offer that said I will take five hundred, I will take a um, hundred thousand dollars at five hundred dollars per month for two hundred months. That that's more than full. That's a more than full price offer given the condition of the house. But you might look at that and say, yep, because it's going to rent for 1300 a month and that $500 payment is super affordable and going to create a lot of cash flow for me. But on the other hand, if they came back to you and said, well, I won't do that unless you give me 6% interest, then the $500 payment stays the same, but the price goes down. There's just, there's just no easy, there's no easy formula that says it's always going to be this percentage of the after repaired value. Okay, so technically, um, we'll we'll come back to some of those. To some of those, uh, I'd like I'd like you to give an example a little bit later on of a recent offer you might have made where here here was the cash price and here was the um, terms price. But like, at what point do you bring up to the seller in in the whole in the whole sales funnel that there's going to be two offers? Do you just just spring it on them like, oh, so I came and saw your house. Here's two offers. <laughs> Actually, I like to bring it up very early. So before I'm ever at the house, I'll bring it up on the phone uh, the first time they reach out to me. Um, really, because in the in the early years, I wasted way too much time going to look at houses that never got, were going to work out as a deal. And so... When I first talk to them on the phone, if I think it may work as a deal, I'll give them that 
um, not really a trial close, but it, you know, I'll present to them that I buy houses two ways: one, all cash at a discounted price, or I'll pay a higher price over time. Just so they know, if they need an all cash purchase at full value, I am not their buyer. Right? We can end the call, and they can find somebody else. Um, but if I'm going to go out and look at the house, those are the two options. Mm-hmm. So I bring it up early, and then when I meet them at the house, um, if they say, yeah, one of those will probably work, I meet them at the house, then I, I'll, I'm i a talker. So I'll talk, and I'll bring it up over and over. Sellers I've worked with, they really like this, or um, they benefited in this way, and I'll just include it in conversation so they're constantly reminded that um, I may buy all cash or – they could really get some benefits out of giving me financing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just so. kind of a it's just kind of a part of your natural the way you talk to people these days. So if, if I if yeah. I was a seller, so I've called you up, you've you've sent out you know some, something to entice me to call you about my hundred thousand dollar house that needs fifteen thousand dollars in repairs, <laughs> and we're on the phone. Right. Like like, give me the words. Talk to talk to me like I'm that seller about the multiple offer thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to talk to you on the phone primarily about your problem, right? Mm -hmm. Why are you selling the house? Um, And, you know, once they explain their problem, I'm going to relate to them on that problem. I understand. Um, I can see why you want to be rid of the house. It sounds like a lot of headaches. You've inherited it, whatever the situation is. And I'm going to say um, it sounds like um, we could purchase your house, and we buy houses two ways. We buy all cash at a discount, or we'll pay more if we're able to pay you over time. Does it sound like one of those two options would benefit you? We can schedule a time for me to come out and look at your house and meet you. Okay. So those are the words I use. That yeah. easy, huh? That, and that easy. And if if I'm obsessed with cash, I may have only heard half of that. If I'm obsessed with price, I may have heard the other <laughs> half of it. Okay. So another another sort of a I don't know debate out in the real estate investor world. There 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 are people who are very um, obsessed with. There's a formula for the multiple offer strategy, meaning meaning you always do the multiple offers in the same way. And, and the folks that I've heard that are most rabid about it say, make three offers to every seller. And the first one's a low ball cash offer. The second one is like a split funds offer where I'll, I'll give you this much now and this much per month. And then I'll pay you back the rest in some relatively short period of time, a year or two years. And then the third one, it's the highest offer. And it's the one that says, I just want to pay you this much every month until it's, paid off it sounds like you don't you don't do three offers do you do you ever do three simultaneously yeah normally i'll i'll go with two but if if the seller price is their like number one focus and i know they're really concerned with price and they just they have a number that they really want to hit that is not a real number for the deal let's say the $100,000 for the $100,000 house and needs repairs, mm-hmm. then I'll include that 0% percent offer and, and give them that number they want, and then the, all the terms are exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. 
So a lot of times if there's three offers, I think that can complicate things for them. I like it clean, and there's two offers, and which offer serves you best. But if price is their thing, then I'll include three and uh, and go for that 0% interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At what point do you decide what the numbers are? I know I know you're not deciding on the phone. Well, I'm going to walk in there and offer him fifty five thousand cash or seventy five thousand at five uh, percent interest for twenty years. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll look at the value of the house obviously before I meet him. But usually it's when I'm talking to him and looking at the house and assess what the repairs are are going to be. And a lot of the, you know, the cash offer, that's pretty formulaic, right? We can, we can just use that formula and it's pretty simple, but the seller financed offer, that's going to fluctuate with each individual, with each seller. And so I'll come up with those numbers really based on what information I get from the seller. So Mm -hmm. how much money do they need down or how much am I going to put down? I'm going to try to get from them how much money they need, or if they need any money, maybe they're going to move, or they have something they need to buy, or maybe they don't really have a use for the money. They just want to get rid of the house. Mm-hmm. So if they have a use for money, then I'll use that number for the down payment. If they don't have a use for it, then I'll do a really small down payment or no down payment. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned... So it really fluctuates, you know, when I'm there talking to them. You you mentioned that whether or not they actually have an underlying loan already is going to affect your offer because it doesn't make any sense if they're if they've already told you their payment is seven hundred eighty four dollars a month principal interest taxes and insurance it doesn't make any sense to give them an offer of five hundred dollars a month <laughs> right. principal interest yeah. taxes and insurance. <laughs> So there's there's uh, wheels are grinding in your head about this as you're looking at the property, figuring out what it needs, talking to them, figuring out what 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 cash needs they might think that they have. And then do you do you start talking numbers while you're there in the house meeting the seller or do you say I'm going to go I'm going to go get you some numbers and let you know? That I pretty much read from the seller too. I'll I'll throw out some tentative numbers, and if they are ready, you know I've had it where they are like they just want it over with. Then yeah, we'll we'll talk numbers, and if they decide on which offer they want, I'll fill out the purchase contract right there at the house, and we'll sign everything there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they're you know they want to consider the their options. Then I'll say, let me go back to the office. I'll send you a couple offers, and then I'll call you, you know, within 24 hours or 48 hours, and see which offer works best for you. Okay. So, so, so at some point the offer is going in writing, but initially you're sort of feeling them out by just talking general. You know, would $700 a month work? Right. Would $800 a month work? Yeah. Work if we? Okay, great. Oh, and by the way, for folks who attend, I don't even know if you know this, Chad, for folks who attend the Cincinnati RIA and CORE meeting online tomorrow night, the first session at 6 o'clock is actually about how to fill out the purchase offers when you're making a subject to offer, an owner finance offer, a land contract offer, and we're going to be giving them, we're going to be giving everyone who attends, don't call me up and say, well, I wasn't there, but can I get it? It's a bonus for people who attend. 
uh, an actual purchase agreement and the wording for different kinds of creative deals. So tomorrow night's like all about the like getting into the the details, the nuts and bolts of creative finance. Because then at seven fifteen, you're going to talk about the whole process of negotiation. Uh, with the seller. And again, folks, wherever you are, you don't have to be in the Cincinnati or Columbus area because it's on Zoom. Y'all know what Zoom is, right? You can find out more and get a link to register for that meeting at CincinnatiRia.com. Uh, when we come back, we're going to answer some listener questions. If you have one, give us a call at 877-772-9658 or email them in to askmina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Chad Harris. You, y'all are going, who? Don't worry, you'll hear. He's, he's speaking for Mr. Landlord. He's speaking for RIA groups. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna know Chad Harris in a few years. But right now, we got him all to ourselves to talk about his actual real life strategies that have allowed him to buy a bunch of rental properties without having to pay his own cash or go to the bank to get cash initially. Although, so I guess you, you don't hate banks, Chad. You'll go refi a house. I don't hate banks, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> You'll refi a property after you got it fixed and rented and it'll appraise for lots of money. But, uh, you know, good strategies for getting in. We're really talking today about the multiple offer strategy, uh, which lots of folks have probably heard the term without knowing what it is. I think, Chad, that a lot of people think that it's like it's like sequential, that you you say to the seller, I will give you 55000 cash, and they say, no, that's nowhere near enough. And so you go back and say, well, I can give you 75000 if you will do it this way. But the true multiple offer strategy is both offers at once. You got, you got A or you got B. Which one would you like? Yeah, I, I, I much prefer offering giving two offers and asking which offer do you like better rather than one offer and asking do you want to accept this offer or not mm-hmm. so multiple offers at the same time that's that's the way to go so we have a question that came in via email from Sarah in Ellesmere Kentucky she says what do you do when you present both offers to the seller and what the seller wants is the higher price of the terms offer, but they also want all cash. This has been a big concern to me and has kept me from making multiple offers. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, all sellers want all cash and a high sale price, right? Um, you can't blame them for that. So if what they want doesn't fit my buying criteria, they want the high sale price from my seller financed offer, but they want it all cash. Usually I'll say, um, you know, I'll go refer back to them and say, how do you expect me to do that? Um, And say, you know, I have lenders. I'm very transparent with them. I have lenders I need to purchase at a discount or I need to make so much per month if they want a very high monthly payment. And I'll I'll put it back on them. How do you expect me to be able to pay that? Interesting. Because a lot of times they understand that they just want a high price, but they understand that they're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you do you find that the multiple offer strategy is more effective when the seller is uh, a 
an investor of some sort, like they, they bought the property to rent it or they bought it to lease option or they, and they're just sick of it, or when the seller is more of a civilian type who this is their home? You know, I, I haven't found that it's more effective with either one, in all honesty, um, which is why I like to give it to, to everybody. I feel like investors tend to be more likely to sell on terms or with the financing um, but even if my multiple offers help justify the lower cash price, then I'm okay. I'm okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's beneficial to share two offers with them and, and have them choose one of the two. Yeah, it's such a such an important um, thing to think for for folks to kind of absorb about the multiple offer strategy is you've got to you've got to make two offers that you would be equally happy whether they accepted each one uh right that that's the 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 folks who are like multiple offer strategy purists a lot of times when they're trying to construct that third offer it's it's almost just like an intellectual exercise like the two offers they have on the table are the two that work but they have to have three, so let me figure out another one. And the, the third one maybe doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it's not one. It's not one that you would necessarily be happy if it were accepted because it's got a two-year balloon, and you don't you don't foresee the house being worth what you've offered in two years, or you know, some something of that nature. So uh, everybody, everybody who's making mental or physical notes, make the note: the two offers you make, you got to be able to close them. And you got to be equally happy, no matter which ones, which one they take, because people will surprise you. I I own a house right now that it was a a guy's rental property, and his main problem he, he wasn't really able to maintain it, and he had the rents way under market. I'm talking probably t- t- two units, probably 250 each under market. He was like 500 down from what he should have been making. And he didn't want to raise the rents because he didn't want to do the improvements. So I made him this offer that I, I really wanted him to take the financed offer. And so the cash offer I made was really more like, uh, I'm going to make it so low that it makes my my other offer look better. So I think my, my, uh, my financed offer was like $27,000 at $270 a month for 100 months, which honestly was probably more than he was netting on the rents he was charging and the taxes and insurance he was paying and the utilities he was paying. And my other offer was like 13,000 cash. I was like, I didn't even think about that one. I was just like, yeah, just look, look how much better this offer is. And he took the cash. It's true. You never know. <laughs> never know what they'll choose. Yeah. Very. And he was thrilled, right? It, to have the headache off his plate. I, yeah. But I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I was like, Oh, that's not what I expected. Okay. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> Cause it, at that, at, at a price that much lower. So I'm, I'm sure that another reason that your, your, uh, finance offer, uh, price is so much higher is because your cost of funds when you're using a private lender is way higher. Like, 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 like many times if you're buying a property subject to, you're taking over a 5% loan and your private lender wants eight or nine or 10. It, there's a, there's a huge spread in the, in the cost of your funds between those two deals. So I was like, ah, I can absorb a private loan on this property at $13,000. No problem. <laughs> 
That's right. No problem. Okay, so we have a we have a question here from Barry, who is somewhere in California, does not identify where he is from in California. He says, is there any time when you would not make multiple offers to the same seller? I'm thinking about a property that I made an offer on in Kansas City last week. It was a burnout and my total purchase price was only 20, but the repair costs were like 150. It didn't seem worth it to make a seller financed offer on that one when I was going to have to borrow so much money to finish the repairs anyway. Yeah, I think there are definitely instances where it doesn't make sense. You know, an instance like that, um, or I have had some instances where I have a private lender, I need to place the money, and so I'm I'm more looking for that all-cash offer. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, like um, you referenced, if they have a very high payment on their existing financing or they don't have very much equity in their house, it doesn't make sense to give a low ball cash offer because that obviously will not help them mm-hmm. or, they, or they won't be able to sell that way. Mm-hmm. So, so there are, there are situations. <clears throat> you, you make that determination based on your conversation with the seller. You, you don't let them say, right. you don't let them say a low cash offer wouldn't work for me. I only want to see a higher offer. You get, you get a feel for what the situation is and you make them the offers that make sense to you and will also make sense to them yes completely um i build my business on serving people so i want to serve them as best i can Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i i'm trying to find the best solution for them and myself Mm -hmm. right and that requires a degree of really listening like like you can't just you can't just be like going through the motions of filling out your your seller interview form and making sure all the lines are completed because every once in a while a seller will tell you something that makes you say, whoa, making a terms offer would be a really bad idea here. Um, if the seller said, you know, why are you selling? Well, my daughter's getting a kidney transplant and her insurance will, won't cover the first hundred thousand of it. So I need a hundred thousand dollars. You're probably not going to make a payments offer because I don't think right. kidney surgeons take payments. <laughs> you know, the only thing that's going to work for that person is a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> that's true. I had one seller I can remember where they were just really difficult to deal with, and I ended up not making a terms offer just because I wanted it to be over. I, I didn't want to have them calling me or you know have any kind of interaction afterwards. There was no relationship after that. Uh, purchase. Oh, it was yeah. just an all cash offer. Yeah, that is that's so. a that's a really good that's a really good point because when you when you've agreed to either make payments to the seller's bank in the case of subject two or make payments to the seller in case of something like a land contract or a seller carryback loan, you have gotten into a relationship with that seller, like it or not, for the duration of that of that agreement for however long it takes you to make the last payment and uh yeah there is such a thing as people that you would not want in your life on an ongoing basis even if it was financially convenient that's right freedom of choosing who you work with that's good freedom to have <laughs> yes all of all of all the freedoms in real estate that's the second best one after the freedom to nap when you want to <laughs> that's right 
So uh, t- t- talk about the effect that doing this has had on your business. Do you think it, do you think it's, it's gotten you more offers accepted than it normally would? Do you think it's got that most people get, do you think it has gotten you better deals than most people get? Like, like bottom line, why should listeners start doing this? Yeah, I would say yes uh, to, to both of the things you said and more for ways to help my business. Um, because when I was only making low cash offers, I was discounting a whole lot of sellers that, that those offers didn't work for. And so by making multiple offers, I'm converting more deals, and I'm able to buy deals that really I wouldn't have been able to buy with, with an all-cash offer. I'm able to buy occupied properties that don't need a lot of work and uh, really able to scale at a much faster rate than I would have without it. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of benefits. <clears throat> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we only have about two minutes left in the show, Chad. Can you can you give us an example of a recent real-life offer that you've made that was multiple offers, like with, with, with real numbers involved? Yeah. Um, a recent real-life example. And this is, uh, you know, a property that I got from a uh, delinquent property tax list. So a seller reached out to me. They they were behind on their property taxes. The house was paid off. And it was in a situation where I was, had a whole bunch of projects going, so I made um, low offers on both of my cash offer and my uh, seller-financed offer. Um, the house was going to be worth 70000 I know that's a low number, but in Dayton there are houses worth 70000 mm-hmm. and needed about 15000 in rehab. Um, a lot of cosmetic things that just hadn't been updated. And so <clears throat> I offered them 33000 all cash, which is using the simple 70% formula, or I offered them $45,000 with 9,000 down, which I knew from the discussion with them that they needed to move uh, closer to family and 250 per month until the remainder was paid off. So it was a 0% uh, offer. Nice. And they initially said both were too low and they couldn't take either one. And then they called about a month later and checked in and my prices were the same or my two offers were the same. And then about a month later they called and said, yeah, we want that low cash offer. So they took the 30, they took the 33, not the 45. The 33. Nice. All right. Okay. So really does work in real life. And at tomorrow night, Cincinnati Rhea and Curry meeting, Chad will be getting into the part of this that so many of you asked me questions about. I knew this was going to happen which is how do you talk to sellers more deeply about seller financing, overcome their objections, introduce the topic uh, more than just what we got into today. You can get more information and also register since it's on a, since it's on zoom at Cincinnati Rhea.com Cincinnati Rhea.com. Chad, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your wisdom and advice. Thank you, Vina. Anytime. Thank you. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>